Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with David Henderson. And we are here to discuss David's sermon from this past Sunday, Jesus the Good Shepherd, based on John chapter 10. I almost said nine. <laughs> oh, John chapter close. 10. Yeah, close, but it is John chapter 10. So Jesus the Good Shepherd, I, um, I appreciated the fact, and I totally meant to do this, but I appreciated the fact that you referred to the sermon you preached two years ago, fall of 2019, um, talking about the same passage where you really talked more about, um, sheep, the shepherd, the sheepfold, uh, shepherding practices in the middle East during this time frame. Um, I meant to go back and listen to it. (laughs) It's in my podcast feed and I just haven't listened to it yet. Um, but I appreciate knowing that that resource is there. Yeah, and thanks for posting that. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this sermon, we focus mostly on Jesus' statement, I am the good shepherd. And you talked a little bit about, you defined the word good. Mm-hmm. So you want to go through just real quickly, what, what, how does, how is good defined? Yeah. In the, in, well, I guess in the context of John 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that I try to do every time I preach is to ask where, I mean, and sometimes it just comes out of my own experience of a passage. Mm-hmm. Where might someone trip over this? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. Life stinks for a lot of people. Well, how do I reconcile those two things? You know, there's this immediate tension that's felt. So the starting point for me in focusing in specifically on how Jesus answers the question, what kind of a shepherd he is, that he is a good shepherd. I, I really was trying to focus on what does he say? What, uh, how, how does he clarify how he might be different than others and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that struck me is first of all, that the word good in our culture is just so stripped of its meaning. It means mm-hmm. virtually nothing except for irony usually. And then also that um, when then we, we come to the moment of saying, well, is God good? We, there is a culturally shaped expectation of what that means. Um, mm-hmm. And that is so strongly one shaped by a, a context that is essentially largely stable, safe, predictable, bountiful, uh, filled with plenty, little in the way of real difficulty. Um, so it, part of what I felt like my preaching challenge was, was to bring Jesus's own definition of his goodness forward rather than mine or our cultures mm. um, and our culture, both saying it doesn't mean much of anything, but when it does mean something, it means really specifically my life is cushy and easy and not hard. And uh, like, well, okay. was Jesus saying by contrast to that? So mm-hmm. yeah, it was really striking to go through the passage this time spent a lot of time with it specifically focusing on this, the word good, 
and and Jesus picks up four dimensions of his goodness and really plays them out. Uh, the first being he's good in the sense of that he is the one of, of all possible shepherds who has a legitimate claim to being God's agent and representative in this world, fulfilling God's purposes. Mm-hmm. And, and that there are lots of things that Jesus can point to that are corroboration of that claim. Um, so that's one dimension of his goodness that his credentials he is good because he's God's choice. Yes. Yeah, credentials. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, then the second one, and I, I just don't think we can overemphasize this mm-hmm. is the, the heart that Jesus has towards us of love and care and regard, fondness, affection. And so it's the word good as lived out in a relationship. In, mm. in the closest friendships, the way I experience you as a good friend, Jesus is saying, that's just a glimpse of mm-hmm. my fondness and affection, delight for you, the, how much you matter to me. Mm. And then the third one, oh, that's fun. There's a great big Cooper's hawk on a branch over there. Sorry, got oh. distracted. <laughs> um, I love this. The birds fly right past my eye window at home. Yeah. Um, then the, the third thing is Jesus uh, goes further in developing what his heart is towards his sheep in talking about how his motives are pure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, um, he's genuinely concerned with our best. And so that he, the, the whole idea that um, he wants to add to our experience of life. I've come to give you life and it's translated lots of different ways, abundant life, life to the full. But the, the idea is him saying, whatever it is you've got, I want you to have more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his regard is for us in a generous sort of way. And then the last aspect of his goodness is that he values us so much. Uh, we're, um, he prizes us as his own. We, mm-hmm. we belong to him. So we matter incredibly to him so much so that he's willing to have it cost himself deeply to seek our best and to show his affection to us mm-hmm. to the very point that, and he says this twice, I think in this passage that he's willing to lay down his life and uh, for the sake of those sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, wow. I mean, what riches in the, the way that Jesus unfolds this idea of his goodness towards us. Yes. And I think um, one of the things that we have, that I have learned um, over the past year or two is that it's good to identify, to to define our terms, right? Which we just did in a positive way. And it's also good to define our terms um, as what it is not, or what is the opposite. And that brings to mind um, the, the people with whom Jesus contrasts himself in this passage, um, the hired hand, the thieves and the robbers. Um, the stranger. And, the stranger. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, where's yeah. my Bible? Oh, I'm not at home. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that's, um, you know, there, there's so many things about Jesus I love, and among them is this very cool 
little detail that he was a master communicator. I, I mm. learned so much from his communication. So mm. he, he unfolds his goodness in practical terms. He doesn't take it up into kind of a Greek Roman theoretical terms. Well, philosophically speaking, uh, the highest value is, you know, he's not, no, he's saying, this is what it looks like. He uses a word picture to, to flesh out for us, but then setting up contrast, just mm-hmm. as you said, this and not this. Mm-hmm. So the three that he contrasts himself to in um, over four different contrasts are, he contrasts himself to the stranger. So he's saying, you know, others who may make a claim to you or, or try to influence you or, or insert themselves in your lives, they don't have relationship with you mm-hmm. like I do. I mm-hmm. love you. I'm fond of you. I carry you with affection in my heart. Do they? No. Um, uh, then he talks about the, the hired hand as someone who probably is well-intentioned is, is thinking I'm here to take care of the sheep. But when it comes down to it, if it's a choice between him and me or her and me, uh, I come first. And mm-hmm. so the wolf comes, I'm out of here. I'm thinking about my own life. Right. And Jesus contrasts that so powerfully to his own sacrificial heart. Mm-hmm. And, and then the last one is this, the idea of the thief and the robber of mm-hmm. someone whose, whose motives are completely self-serving, who, um, who, a, a person whose desire is to use us for their own ends. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, uh, I couldn't be on the farther end from that. I, I am wanting to give you at cost to you out of cost, at cost to myself mm-hmm. rather than exploit you for my own benefit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some very striking contrasts that I think are really probing for anybody who's in a role of, of under leadership in, in Jesus's uh, kingdom. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because we can, especially, uh, you know, it, it's just too easy to be self-motivated instead of self-sacrificing. And, um, you know, in our staff devotions on Tuesday, we were talking about thieves and robbers and who could be thieves and robbers. And, um, you know, it's obviously there are people who, um, who are wanting, instead of to add to our lives, like Jesus does, they're wanting to take away, right. Wanting to take away from us and, and steal from us. And, what, what was brought up was like, sometimes we can be those thieves and robbers ourselves. Yeah. And I, it, yeah. that just, I wrote that down in my notes and I put a big exclamation mark by it. And I just thought, okay, I, you know, it just is a good check on me. Um, where am I with good intentions, but being a thief or running yeah. from the wolf or, right. you know, yeah, because I think yeah, I think that I think that's exactly right. I think because of our fallen nature, and I, I love how Jesus is at work redeeming each of us who know Him. Mm-hmm. But because of our fallen nature, our starting point, apart from His gracious intervention, will be that I see you as someone either to avoid or to gain from. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, re- my I see you through the lens of what will benefit me. And if it's mm-hmm. convenient for me to sidestep you, or if it's convenient for me to use you, those are kind of two options I have available at, at my basis. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jesus delights to transform us more and more to form his heart in us. So it is fascinating to think these same qualities, uh, these same criterion for leadership become ones that 
uh, for his leadership become ones that should mark us as leaders, which mm -hmm. I don't think is the point of his passage, but is an absolutely right application of this passage. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's probing for me. Am, am, I, am I thinking about you or am I thinking about me? Is it, Do I really want your best? Or is there some way that this is about me getting my needs met for significance or, or meaning or, or influence or whatever else it might be? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's, that's so convicting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but to the, back to the point that you were making earlier, I think um, it, it is an interesting way to, that, that I think this, this passage pushes us to just to ask the question, so who are these Mm, strangers mm -hmm. hired hands and thieves and robbers potentially in my own life and it is is anybody from like at its worst uh social media algorithm experts who are trying to get me locked on to my feed so they can sell me to an advertiser right who um who pretends to have my best interest at heart but doesn't um to advertisers who don't know me but but try to lure me to spend my money um, so that I can fill their pockets with profit, not because they care the least little bit about me, to, um, to the, wor the worst of politicians who are promising us what we want in order to get what they want, and mm -hmm. so on. There are, there, and then just down to people who I love, who are in my life, family members, husband, wife, best friend, who still ultimately is not going to be able to love me with the purity and the completeness of self-sacrifice with which Jesus loves me. And it's mm -hmm. that whole gamut of mm -hmm. hired hand, stranger, thief, mm -hmm. and robber. Yeah. And, and, and the, the comment that we made during our staff devotions, as we talked about this passage, that I think is really important is going back to the, one of the most important characteristics of the animal, the sheep, which is a reason it's so often used to describe us as the people of God Right. Is that it is so prone to be, it's so vulnerable right. and it's so prone to being misled. I uh, reread the story of 400 sheep walking off a cliff one after the other. The first one went off the cliff, the next one followed it, the next one followed it, all to their deaths. You know, it's like that, that with that kind of, it's like, well, there's a yeah. picture of, of the ease with which we are misled. And I think this passage is a great, um, yeah. you know, just a caution for us that God wants us to remember we are vulnerable and we are prone to being misled and to, to be discerning about the, the places we give our hearts, our affection, our allegiance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, for sure. For sure. To be discerning. I like that. Be discerning about where we give our heart, our affections and our hearts. Right. Yeah. And, and how much of our hearts we give, right? Also, you know, until we, yeah. yeah. And then also just to trust the shepherd with that too, right? Like yes. he is not calling us out of the sheepfold or out of the church. He's calling us into the church and into community and into relationships with people who are not perfect. And so I, so it's, yeah, that maintaining that my relationship with the pure uh, shepherd Jesus is is the foundation of my worth and my value and my relationships with the non-perfect people in my life around me. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and I think it's it is the one exception to in all love relationships where 
the best way I can love you when it comes to God's place in my life is to love God more than I love you. Mm-hmm. And, and when I do that, it, that doesn't make you unimportant, but it puts you and our relationship in a proper perspective where I'm not looking to you for what only God can provide. Mm-hmm. And because of the amazing way that I'm experiencing God being gracious to me, it lets me be gracious towards you. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't have to uh, bring in the hammer when I feel you've disappointed me or you've hurt me or, or whatever. Um, hey, God has dealt with me on the basis of grace. Why would I not deal with you on the basis of grace? We're, <laughs> we are alike. We're fellow bumblers and we have this mm-hmm. amazing God who loves us. So I get to, to pour some of the love that's been poured out on me out on you. Yeah, so there's mm-hmm. so much freedom in community that comes when our eyes are first on him. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then we see each other in the light of him. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And with the love, with the love, when we fill ourselves up with his love, then his love can um, pour out through us to each other. Yeah. 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 Then I'm not coming to you as a bunch of needs. Fill me, fill me, meet all my needs. No, I come to you as someone who's full. Right. Hey, how can I love you? How can I pour out love on you? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The next, the, um, the, the big yes, but question you asked in your sermon this Sunday was how can I say God is good when life is hard? Mm-hmm. And I think that is a, that is a big question. Yeah, yeah, it um, is. you know, it, there's a lot of hardness in life. Um, and I think we in America, we just, you know, when life is hard, we just, it, it's kind of earth shattering for us some, in some ways Yeah, because we don't expect it. Yeah. And we, I mean, you think about it, if, if our, if our electricity goes out or our cable goes out, the first thing we do is get mad. Well, somebody's to blame. I'm, I, I am experiencing this inconvenience. Mm-hmm. So whose fault is it? Mm-hmm. And it becomes such a natural thing for us as people who are born and live in the U.S. And I know there, there are many who maybe even are listening to this conversation today whose, whose home country is a different country and really understand this and see this. But for those of us born in, in, and shaped by, discipled by the U.S., mm-hmm. um, you know, that is our instinct with God. It, okay, God, you are to blame for this. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, wait, this is, this is in every way consistent with what God in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation leads me to expect will be my experience as a fallen human being living in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard and then I'm going to die. I mean, that's, <laughs> and God is good in yeah. the middle of that. And God is Instead good in the of God of changing that shows yeah. that he's good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My dad used to say that to us when we were teenagers, whenever we were complaining about homework or whatever, anything, you know, the melodramatic teenage years, right? My dad would be like, life is hard. And then you die. (laughs) I'm like, you needed to add the God is good in the midst of it part. (laughs) Exactly. That's really funny. Yeah. I love that missionary's perspective. Sometimes missionaries are the wisest people. I tell you, I love that. It's, there's just the clarity about stuff. Um, No, yeah, that's, but we can forget that. I think we, we just kind of slide over into seeing ourselves as immortal beings. 
and we uh, slide over in our expectations into believing that um, somehow we are entitled to a life of ease, that, that somehow that's the thing that God is promising us. And, and mm. you know, this is a place where I think at times the evangelical church can so present the gospel as this is the way to get all your needs met instead of just, this is what's true. This is who God mm. is. He made you for himself. Give your heart to him. That's mm-hmm. he's the King. Be his subject is in so many ways is the gospel rather than do you have a need? Jesus can satisfy that need. Come to him to get your needs met. And I think that can set us up just a little bit for a mm. mistaken set of expectations when it comes to the difficulties of life. And, Jesus himself could not be clear. Hey, you're going to, life is going to be full of trouble for you, mm-hmm. but I have come to overcome life and, and I will give you peace in the midst of its difficulties, mm-hmm. not by removing its difficulties. It reminds I me of that. Past... Some of the hardest work for us as disciples in the United States, what were we going to say? Oh yeah. It is the hardest work for us as disciples in the U S and I think, um, it reminds me of that passage in Isaiah that we talked about several months ago where, um, talked about the high waters and the fire and, and that not that, that God will take those away from us, the high waters and the fires, but that he will walk through it with us. Yeah. That's exactly. It's a different perspective, a different way of seeing life. Right. And then, and this is the wonder, I think this is this, I use the word alchemy sometimes because there is this kind of miraculous transformation that, uh, that happens here. Not only that, but as then you go one step further and you see that God actually allows the fire and the flood to happen as a means of scooting us closer and closer to his loving heart. If, if he is a God whose affection and fondness for us is boundless. If he is God's authentic mm-hmm. um, rescuer, if he is the one whose heart motive towards us is for our best, and if he is willing to sacrifice himself for us, then he wants us to experience that. And he will let life's disappointments and pains and losses be things that, that nudge us closer and closer mm-hmm. into his embrace. And, the experience of those things. So the evil one wants to use all that's hard to, to lead us to say, yeah, see, you can't trust God. And Jesus is saying, not only am I with you in those hard things, but I'm actually going to let those evil things reveal to you the opposite of what the evil one is saying. I'm going to let those things reveal to you how incredibly good I really am. Yes. I like I liked what you said, and several people said this in our Sunday morning group too. Predators, pests, and pandemics are like sheepdogs driving us to Jesus. And I was like, oh, that was, yeah, that was good. (laughs) Good reminder. And we all Um, need that reminder, don't we? Yeah, we do. And someone else said um, on Sunday morning, she said, you know, I pray when, when, I go through hard times when my friends go through hard times, when I am praying for people who are going through hard times, I pray always that the Holy spirit will give us eyes to see how God has gone before us during this difficult time. Oh, that's, that's really great. I love that. Yeah. And in fact, that really fits with, 
something that we've talked about as a pastoral staff at Covenant, that the best way we can do a pastoral prayer, you know, a, a, whether it's just during the course of the week or on a Sunday morning, the best way we could pray for the congregation when they are grieving the loss of a loved one or facing an illness or surgery or whatever, it is not for physical healing. Of course, we're going to pray for that or mm -hmm. for comfort. And But the best thing we can pray is that this would be a means by which God draws them closer to themselves because we know that's what he's desiring to do. Mm. And he, we should always pray for healing, but he doesn't always promise that. But we should always pray for the experience of drawing closer to Jesus because he does promise us that I will be with you. And he wants us to experience how that's true. And mm. that's what lasts for eternity. Uh, these bodies are going to go like to quote your dad, you know, <laughs> Um, life's hard and then you die, hard, then you die. <laughs> yeah. yeah and we shed these bodies uh, and then we go into an eternal relationship our eternal relationship with the lord continues where that relationship is the thing that endures and then we're given new bodies down the road but mm -hmm. yeah well david this has been wonderful to talk about your sermon this past week i thank you is there any do you have any last comment no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Actually, yeah. Okay, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> I do. Just give him a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mentioned this. Uh, actually, I just it would be the same encouragement to the congregation that I gave to our staff during the devotions yesterday, and that is um, to enjoy the amazing and not easy uh, exercise of identifying mm. what are the three or four hardest things that have ever happened in your life. And then, and, and write those down and then ask God to reveal in what way did he use those? Did he demonstrate his goodness in the midst of, not through the hard thing, but maybe as a result of the pain, how did he use that to reveal mm -hmm. these qualities of his goodness that, that Jesus opens up for us in John chapter 10. And boy, that, that, you know, God works all things together for good. When you do that with the worst things in your life, I still think of Michelle Cornell but I've mm. had 50 different people tell me the exact same thing. They can point to the hardest thing in their life and say, I thank God that this happened to me because of how, of how God has used this mm. uh, one mm -hmm. after another. And we can all say that um, mm -hmm. as followers of Christ, we can point to the hardest things and see how God has worked such sweet things from them. Mm -hmm. Amen. What a good shepherd we have. Yes, we have a good shepherd. Yes. Great. Well, thank you, David, for joining us this afternoon, you, joining me this afternoon. And thank you to our audience for joining us, whether you were um, watched us live or watched us later on our blog or uh, are listening on our podcast. We are grateful that you spent some time with us mm -hmm. and uh, hope that you have a great rest of your day. <laughs>